You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here. And today we're doing a case study about a Denver investor who went down to Pueblo, bought a single family home, executed the burst strategy, and had a great time doing some great results. So we're gonna break it down. I got my co-host, Jenny Bayless in the studio. Jenny, how are you? I'm awesome, how about you, Chris? Really good and very excited to jump in here because you told me about this a while ago. I dug in the numbers earlier as we prepped for this show and man, it's a, it's a fun one to talk about. And I know you and Leah helped execute on there, but introduce us to the investor and set the stage for us. Yeah, so Eric is uh, our, our guest right now on the podcast, and he did the impossible. He did a burr in 2021. So, I mean, not much else to, to say uh, to prep you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Eric, would you mind just kind of giving everyone a little bit of uh, about your background, uh, mm-hmm. what your real estate experience was prior to this, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the intro, Jenny. Um, so as far as my background goes, I'm a pretty new investor, I would say. We bought our first single family home in September 2019 in Lakewood and uh, tore down walls and added bathrooms and did all that kind of stuff. So was that a live-in flip or like a live-in um, remodel? hybrid. I had just moved back from California um, and my wife was living with her grandmother in Evergreen and then my parents live in Morrison. So we bought it, but didn't move in for two months or so Okay, while we did everything. Well, that's a nice way to do it. Yeah. No sawdust in your style that way. Exactly. It was, uh, it was, we were very grateful to be able to do that. But then we moved in, we've continued doing everything. And then we just saw uh, the appreciation going on. And I was like, you know, working and she was working. And then I started a new job after we got married and then started to, uh, have a little more money to want to play with. Um, but the stock market was only one mode. Um, and so I started listening to podcasts and read rich dad, poor dad, and then went into the Burr book. And I was like, this strategy is crazy. Is it, can you really do this? Um, and so I started, we started looking around and um, actually I had my wife listen to the uh, audio book of Rich Dad, Poor Dad too. And we kind of were like, all right, this is something that we're, you know, she'll support me on and we'll move forward. So we started looking in Pueblo. Um, How, sorry, as, before we get into yeah. Pueblo, cause this is, this is a, you know, common thing where usually, you know, one of the, you know, one person, the couple, they're definitely taking the lead mm-hmm. and there's a varying degree of support and interest from the spouse or right. from the partner on there. Um, how active is she and how was like, what's her interest level in supporting you and getting this done? Cause it's always a great behind the scenes yeah. that many people, you know, have to deal with. I would say support is very high, but uh, active wise, uh, not so much in the Pueblo. Um, at the ho- you know home in Lakewood, very active in helping and design and things like that. But Pueblo is more so, uh, kind of my lead on it. I support you, honey. Yeah. Do it. She was pregnant at the time. And one of the, oh, goals, yeah, yeah. Totally. One of the goals was, uh, we had our baby on April 20th and the goal was to get this done and take care of before baby arrived. And <laughs> I think we pulled out of the driveway after the windows were done there on the 27th of March, renters moved in the 28th. And then we just had a sigh of relief. Uh, oh, cool. So, yeah, That's it all worked timing. out. Yeah. Congrats on that yeah. one. Thank you. 
Um, so, I mean, as you know, like finding bird deals is, is tough. I mean, so mm-hmm. how did you start the search on there? And did your expectations change from, you know, uh, reading this book written seven years ago when burring was much easier right. to like the reality of the market and the reality of today? I think it was, uh, I just was looking for low cost of entry. And obviously I looked at some other markets in the US, but me wanting to put in the sweat equity to try and make it work, especially with the help of my dad, um, Pueblo just seemed to be the best. Still a two hour drive, but you know, you leave at six, you get there by eight, it's not terrible. Um, so I just started looking at Zillow and reaching out and drove down there quite a few times to look at houses and, um, started to lose a little faith on it. And then actually I did pivot too, cause I did look at just buying a, a, a couple multifamilies. Okay. Just when like I first rentals. went down there, yeah, just like 25% down, um, you know, use some funds that we had to do that. But then as things changed and I found the single family and realized I could probably pull off a burr or at least get very close to it. Um, we just kind of started just combing around and, and I think this, this went on for like almost 140 and then started coming down, had some price cuts. And then, you know, we ended up getting it for 111. Okay. And um, then, you know, comps, I think we talked to you too. And and obviously Leah and, and Jenny were very helpful in putting together comps to see what the ARV would be. And so once we got that, then it was like, okay, talk to the lender. As long as we can get, uh, you know, 168,000 ARV, the way we structured the deal, we would be able to pretty much pull this off. All right. So as we get into the deal analysis here, make sure everyone kind of knows the fundamentals of a burr. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Yep. I always get cautious saying that on air. <laughs> I got it right that time. So great strategy, mm-hmm. hard to execute in the last couple of years in the market, mm-hmm. in this extreme seller's market. So congrats, Eric, for doing that. Thank you. Um, and the way it's typically done is people will, you know, use cash or a HELOC or a lending partner or like a hard money lender to go in there and buy the place cash, you know, mm-hmm. no loan on there, no permanent financing. Go in there, do the rehab. Um, get up and running, rinse it out, and then go out there and do the takeout financing. And Jenny, we talk about this a lot is like, since you have two lending components here, mm-hmm. a lot of times people focus on the first one, which is the the hard money loan. And they forget about the second one, which can bite them in the butt. Yeah. So how'd you go out here and structure your kind of your two lending components as you're eyeing this? Like, what'd you do to make sure you could execute it? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so... I guess I had three options. I had hard money option, uh, AKA my dad. And then I had a HELOC approved, um, before we, you know, really got into even putting offers in using the equity at our house in Lakewood. Um, so I had that all ready to go. And it's amazing how, once you have that set, how you can get the cash like the next day. Um, and then as far as lending goes, I had used our same lender to walk through the deal um sean simon at at planet home lending to to run through that and uh, basically walk through it like probably like i said five times six times i'm like are you sure we can do this this is what we need he's like yeah this is what you need um and we definitely had some back and forth and he's like let me check on this let me check on that jenny was also very helpful on making sure that um how we structured it as far as um once we decided to go with the hard money loan 
to make sure that um, you have that documented on a deed of trust. Um, and then also there's a, I think it was just the deed of trust we did. Yeah, and promissory note. And a promissory yeah. note, yeah. So, and to do that, I just, I went to the state website and used the state uh, state already like templates and mm -hmm. just filled those out and the title agency notarized them and everything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get the promissory note notice, notarized, I think. Yeah, one of them you don't, one yeah. of them you do, I can't remember. We did either way <laughs> just to be official. Uh, but yeah, we structured the, the hard money. We ended up, like I said, hard money loan was the choice we went to. We used uh, 135 on there because we figured we got the property for you know 111. Yeah, we're probably gonna need to put about 30,000 into it. If so you're we, wrapping the rehab cost in there, exactly. Okay, um, and then you know, aim for that ARV value at, at the end and uh, let it roll. And you said 168 was the, the magic that was minimum our for ARV. That right? was what we were looking for ARV, and I would still at that, I think I'd be I was gonna be out of pocket just so uh, uh still some money but it was way less than the traditional 25 percent route so still a win yeah um now what was the scope of work on this property like how i mean you budgeted a thirty thousand dollar renovation budget like what mm -hmm. need to be done on this property um we ended up we had to do a roof uh with new decking and flashing and bring that all up to code and we, that was no no hail insurance claims no that. it was an old uh, t-lock roof so there's a lot of houses in pueblo with t-locks and uh those are you can't even really get insurance on them they would insure it for six months under the promise that you would get it fixed <laughs> <laughs> so that that was probably the biggest ticket item but we knew that going in um and then the furnace was an old boiler. And so we wanted to update that. And windows were another one that we wanted to do. And then everything else was kind of just paint and carpet and just kind of fixing things up. Okay. Uh, changing all the outlets, all that stuff. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like, I mean, nothing crazy on the work side, right? Like nothing. definitely some work, but no. Yeah. Major. I mean, we contracted the roof. We had a few different quotes, which, you know, roofing prices went through the roof too. Uh, play on words, I suppose, but I mean, we had quotes from like seventeen to eighteen thousand down to eleven, and we ended up going with the local guys, um, and they were eleven grand. Windows had quotes all over the place, but we got twelve new windows, and uh, that was probably our biggest uh, setback as far as timing goes, because we had planned to like do a two month turnaround. But windows, we put in the order in January and they were supposed to be, or December 15th. And they were supposed to be there towards the end of January and to be wrapped up. And they didn't show up till um, March 21st. So, so couldn't escape the supply chain. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't happening. Okay. I mean, that's, that's impressive. You pull us off with, with all the stuff <clears throat> going on here. Yeah. So you outsourced or contracted roofing roof and furnace furnace local vendors yeah and then the other stuff like the cosmetic stuff the painting the small stuff did you handle most of that yeah painting we did the window install uh we did be this you and a buddy or me and my dad and oh you know, i did okay, have cool. a friend come down the last weekend because we were on uh crunch time to help with the window install okay uh, but we did the window install on a, a friday saturday and okay. we were back home saturday night so so you did a lot of the work yourself. What did the actual budget come in at? And how was the timeline other than the windows? I think we rolled in right at like 26 or 27,000. Um, 
I think it was where we were. And I, I did roll in some fuel costs there. That was definitely getting annoying for a while. I think I made 25 trips down there. Um, and so as fuel started to rise, then you're like, okay, it's just getting old. <laughs> um, so trying to figure out how to be efficient there. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was, it came kind of right in where we wanted to, if we didn't, you know, we put some of the floors in and we wow. did a bunch of other stuff. If we didn't have the sweat equity there, the fence too, which was another thing we, that we used as leverage on, on, uh, to get the price we wanted on the house. Um, I did that myself too. So we had to dig that and, and put that in, which quotes were like five or six for that. And I think I did it for like 400 bucks. Wow. So. So got this stuff wrapped up, like I said, the end of March, right? The windows, March twenty seventh. March twenty seventh, and then what was the the timeline for renting it out and refinancing it? So we, I think we put it on the market actually in February. I think mid February, um, we went with a, a property manager down there, and it took a while. I think we put it on at four fourteen hundred. And then we ended up dropping it. Uh, we had some interest, but some of the guys, uh, our families didn't qualify through the property management uh, metrics. And then we rented, we got a tenant in there and they agreed to move in March 28th. Originally, they were going to let us come in and do the windows after the fact, which was not what I wanted to do because it's messy and it's a pain. Yeah. So l luckily, the windows came in and we got we got it done before they nice. moved in. Um, so that was very helpful. So they moved in right at the end of March, right as you wrapped everything up. Mm -hmm. And then how long did you have to wait for the refinance or was there a seasoning period to the refinance? I think, I know most owners do, but I don't right. know the one you worked with. Um, so we didn't have to wait for the seasoning. We could have waited, but with the rates going up the way they were um, and the appraisal coming in where it did, we could have waited. I could have got greedy, but also the the rent we agreed on was also like where we were stuck at, right? So, you know, that was something too, where it's like, okay, if you take out more equity, we're going to have less cash flow or less, less play in there. So what we ended up doing was a rate and term refinance, which is something on the front end that Jenny um, was helpful in informing us about um, is you don't have to wait for the seasoning period if you can do a rate and term. And that's what we double checked with the lender um, originally is like, if you do the rate and term, you don't, it's not a cash out refi. I can only, but I can only pay you out as much as, <clears throat> as the promissory note on yep. your hard money lending is. So that's where that 135 number came from, um, for us on that note. Yeah. All right. And then you got that. And then, um, when you had all the final numbers with like the final long-term debt on there, the rent, the expenses, do you have a ballpark for kind of how it's performing or what you're cash flowing? Um, yeah, so I think it's like, uh, I guess my metrics are a little weird, but it, so the with the first, skipping the first month, right, of not having to pay the, mm -hmm. the mortgage, we put that into reserves. So if you put 5% in reserves, I think it's like $770 or something a year. So there's already... 1200 bucks in reserves from the first, like the first month account that I had. Um, but then after now with the property management fixed 149, 
Um, and then it's 951, I think per month rent 1293. So I think we're like $193 a month. Okay. So close to about $200 a month Yeah, to round up. And then what was the total amount of money that was left in the deal? If any, from your guys's initial takedown and rehab, as far as like equity in the house. Yeah. I think we were right at 77,000. Okay. No, was there any cash you had to leave in there or cash from your hard money lender? Or that could all get paid out through the so the terms. I think it all got paid out, but yeah. So yeah, the lender wrote a check to the promissory note for 135,000 to pay all that off, um, which um, the way we did it all worked out well. And so as far as me out of pocket, is that, is that what you're asking? Mm -hmm. Like any uh, cash you had to leave in the deal? Maybe like $5,000, oh, I so guess. Minimal, probably half that's gas money. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I took into account like the trips down there and then some of the money that uh, just didn't, we weren't able to, I guess, yeah, leave in there. Yeah. Good. So uh, a two year payback period on your initial i guess so yeah, yeah. that's phenomenal that's I, I think that's really exciting <laughs> <laughs> how has uh being a landlord been down there so far uh it's been interesting like my personality is like when there's problems i like to fix them quickly um so i see i i can't talk to the i don't talk to tennis right we're used uh, muldoon property management and they, they've been really good at like their systems are set up. So I get like a notification on this property meld thing. And I'll say like ceiling fan isn't working. And me, I want to be like, tell me about it. Like <laughs> what's going on. I'm going to drive down there. But, um, the last, there was a ceiling fan issue. There was a little issue with the fence. Turns out there was the dogs were jumping over part of the fence. It wasn't, mm -hmm. we didn't need to fix it. So that one like canceled out. And then the oven recently wasn't igniting. Um, but they took care of that and they just kind of, they make it really seamless so far. My biggest thing is just as a landlord is uh, just like turning off the, can I, let me fix it and just let them fix it. And a lot of it's thinking in my head, like, okay, for me to drive down there, it's going to take me four hours of drive time, yep. 50 bucks in gas, plus whatever it is to fix it. So if it's something uh, like they have a, a threshold, if it's under $250, they don't call you and they don't put a, have to put a report in. So the last few issues were less than that. And once you start, I think start to get in that mentality of them managing it for you and, and think like that, it's, it's been pretty easy. Yeah. It's definitely a mindset, mindset shift going away. Like, Oh, I can do that for cheaper, you know, from a pure, just right. money leaving my wallet standpoint. Mm -hmm. But when you take into account the time, the opportunity cost. Yeah, I mean, the more you think about it, the more you get into it, I think more and more people shift towards, hey, there's there's that trade-off because they can save a dollar, right. waste your entire Saturday saving 20 bucks. Exactly. I mean, probably not a win. Yeah, and I think it's uh, like, I think I've heard Jenny say it before too, like, you know, the, the 190 bucks a month isn't what we're in it for. For me, it's the, the long-term hold and long-term appreciation and hopefully leverage this down the road to tie it into another property right so yeah let's about that what are your longer term goals here like you got your primary in lakewood mm -hmm. um you got a really good rental with minimal cash in pueblo mm -hmm. what's the long-term goal and what's the path to get there yeah i mean ideally it's try and figure out financial freedom um mm -hmm. my sh you know 10-year goal would be to have another 10 year 10 properties um to, or to get to 10 properties so i guess eight eight more 
per se, or maybe nine and then um, 20 at, by the time, I think I said maybe by I'm 40. Yeah. But ideally, it'd be nice and th if you have those, and then in 30 years, those are all paid off, and on top of retirement, you're sitting pretty. Yep. Yeah. Um, but things change, and who knows? You know, I could end up, you know, selling a couple 1031 them into a bigger, more cash flow property. But I think, and sometimes I feel like people are like, you got to stick to your goals. And I think it's important to have that goal. But with, what we've seen happen in the real estate market, like being able to pivot and get creative and open to opportunities, mm -hmm. I think is important too. So I'm not, I have my goal, but I'm not like, I'm not willing to, I'm willing to change it up to continue to like grow in the, in that respect, I suppose. Yeah. Chris and I spoke earlier today just about how quickly our goals for this year have changed right. uh, just based on the, the environment and mm -hmm. everything. And, um, I love what you said about, you know, your end goals, how you have, you have a goal in mind, but there's so many different paths and it might change right. the general, the general, you know, premise of it is the same. And yeah. I think by you implementing the Burr strategy, mm -hmm. um, I think that that's going to give you a lot more opportunity to, um, have more flexibility. At least that's what I've found in, in my mm -hmm. experience since I grew my, portfolio initially a hundred percent through Burr. Right. Um, now I'm kind of taking, I don't want to say the lazy approach, but more or less the lazy approach <laughs> to buy properties now. So right. I, it, just having that little pocket of equity is, is incredibly helpful and will help you along totally. the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And, and, um, the power 1031, that was something else that I got through my, my rule strategy was, Hey, go in there, buy a place, pay it off. Mm -hmm. As I learned from a lot more, successful and smart investors than me, I was like, oh, they're not, they're not holding on their properties. What are they doing? Right. Oh, why? Oh, I see the power of that. The, <laughs> yeah. the Monopoly trip. I was like, okay, I want to do that too. Exactly. Because I see where you are and that's the direction I want to go in. Yeah. So I, I definitely would encourage you to look at like the 10 one trade-ups down the road. As totally. You know, as like progressive. Yeah. We'll see what happens and how the equity plays out. And, um, you know, this was another, you know, goal of this was really to, to learn the process and see if it works. And, um, you know, maybe my, my dad wants to do more. Or my brother's looking into it too. We're all handy. So the burn method works out well, um, for us to, to put in the sweat equity. And, uh, most of us have the time to do it too, which is nice. Um, so, we'll so see. would you do another burn Pueblo? Yeah. If the, I mean, if the numbers worked out, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would do it. Um, it seems like you'd probably have to put up more now i don't think you can find a hundred and eleven thousand dollar deal to well, that's jenny <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen any lately well, yeah. <laughs> but who knows i'm okay to wait a little bit right now and just see which now that i have one like if i didn't have this one i'd still be like trying to like make yeah. it work make it work but now I, I feel a little relieved and now i know the process so we'll see what happens cool Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. Love learning about the deal. Love learning about your goals. How can people get a hold of you? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one of the power things about this podcast is the power of networking. You know, we have a lot of local investors up and down the front range. Listen to it, plug into it. So we always like to use this opportunity to help people connect with each other. So, you know, general connections. And mm -hmm. if there's anything specific you're looking for, for partnerships or ideas or whatever, this is a this is a good venue. So how can people get yeah. a hold of you? Um, if people just want to email me, just ejbojan b o j a n at gmail.com. 
that's uh, really the best way. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes so people can just uh, click yeah. it and not worry about trying to trying to copy it down. Mm-hmm. So, Jenny, um, you know, this was a deal, you know, you and Lee helped them buy last year. Looking at today's market with inventory, interest rate, the new market we've shifted into, what's your general kind of attitude or advice for people to say, oh, I want to burn Pueblo like Eric did? Yeah. What's your comment? I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of risk to it in this environment today just because there's supply um, costs. We don't really know what, you know, your rehab budget's going to come in at. Interest rate risk is kind of my uh, sticking point for not wanting to do a burr right now. So it's just kind of, yeah, being open to the uh, being open to the idea that there's a lot more risk involved is yeah. kind of my my thought on that. Great, yeah. Well, great advice, Eric. Thank you for coming to the studio. We very my much pleasure. appreciate you coming in here. Always fun to do them in person. And again, congrats on the burr. Thank you. And as you get number two. It's number two in the property lineup. Let us know and we'll do a new podcast to keep uh, following along. Cool. Yeah. So thank you, Journey. Thank you, listeners and viewers. Thank you. Make sure you like the video, leave a comment. Any questions, hit me or Journey up. We'll see you next week. 